You are listening to The Gateway Church, located in Ferrisburg, Michigan. You can learn more about us by visiting thegateway.church or like and follow us on Facebook, where you can watch full services, keep up with all that is going on, and get connected. Well, this morning we're, gonna con- we're not going to conclude, but we're going to continue our series called Soundtracks. And we've got today and then next week we'll conclude our Soundtrack series. And we've said in this series that soundtracks transform a moment. And that music oftentimes are linked with memories and they stick with us. But uh, we've acknowledged that and, and I started each of the messages with a little song and I really prayed about the, to the Lord. I said, Lord, do you want me to sing again? And I didn't get anything from the Lord for this morning. In first service, Pastor Bobby was excited and he clapped about that, but he's... he's wised up and um, because you never know what the Lord will do before the end of the service. Something spontaneous could happen. You never know. But anyway, but this soundtrack series is not about music. It's about a classic battle, something we all face, the battle of our minds. And the tagline, I love it, is winning the war that wages in our minds. And we've certainly covered some ground already. We're in week four of five, and we've taken some ground. But this week in particular, as I was getting my mind around this message, I kept on having the sense that, man, we're just scratching the surface with this topic. And it's such a big topic, but it's an important topic. And we want to uh, continue today and next week, but this is a topic that we'll wrestle with for our lifetime. And uh, the verse that will need to stick with us through this is 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5. This has been our mainstay throughout the message series. And it says this, for though we walk in the flesh. In other words, we are skin and bones. We are people in the flesh. But it says, although we're in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. No, no, no. For the weapons of our warfare are not of flesh and bones, but have divine power, whoa, to destroy strongholds. And we talked about what a stronghold was at the beginning of the series. You can go back and listen or re-listen to that. It says, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. So let's say you got God's word on this side and you've got everything else, everything else that comes has to come into authority under God's word. It says, Every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. God's word is supreme. And we are to take every thought captive to obey Christ. Church, this is a powerful verse that we need to get just melded into our minds. This is one we cannot afford to forget because it talks about the war that we're we're in, that we are waging war. And that's exactly what this series is about. You cannot just leave your life to chance and just walk around nilly-willy. No, you need to live on purpose and we wage war in the heavenlies. We've also said in this series that our lives are always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. That was taken from Craig Crochelle's book, Winning the War of Your Mind, and it's been a real blessing in this series, season and in the series for me. But when you look at that and you think about the truth of that, 
that could be bad news for some of those, uh, some of us that are here if our minds tend towards negative things, if we listen to the lies of the enemy, if we're deceived by Satan, or if we let strongholds take over or hold us back, we will be defeated because our lives are always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. If that's what we're thinking, if we were thinking negative, it will take us down. And I just have the sense that too many people, too many believers get caught up in a negative, uh, um, you know, fill, negative filled thoughts and it takes us in a direction we don't want to go. But the same thing can be very positive if we think on good things, right? If we're following the verse that we've been using this series as well, Philippians 4, 8, that says whatever is true, whatever is noble or just or pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is our good report, if there's anything of virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, we meditate, right? That's the New King James Version. We meditate on these things, or we think on these things. So if we are thinking about these things and our lives move in the direction of our strongest thoughts, we will be in good shape. And ultimately, what do we want in this life in regards to our mind? We want peace, right? Peace of mind and peace of heart. And we crave that. And peace is the reality of when we rework our minds from the inside out. When you look at the end of that verse, uh, verses 8 and 9 of Philippians 4, it says not only whatever is true, honorable, uh, pure, lovely, these things we should be thinking about. That's the first step. It says whatever you've learned and received and heard and, and, and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. That's the promise. So it's kind of a three-step process that we've talked about. And two t- weeks ago, we gave you a little tool to help you in this journey. And it was a 30-day challenge to take our thoughts to identify the lie that the enemy will say to us. And then we replace that with the truth of God's word. And then we create a new anthem or a new affirmation or a declaration, a new soundtrack. And I hope that these have been a blessing to you. Because what it does, it takes Scripture and science, what science says, and they collide, and we are reworking our minds. We take those strongholds, we rework those, and then again, we give a new anthem. And over the last two weeks, those thoughts, taking the lie, then the truth, then a new anthem, have been a blessing. I've had several conversations with my family, and I've had conversations in my own mind, and, uh, and I started using my journal, and then I lost it. But today, I picked up a new one, and so I'm starting over today. And I just want to say we've got a few extra copies at the registration or at the uh, Connection Center. If you haven't got one of these and you want to start today, or you got one a couple weeks ago and you didn't do anything with it, you don't have to acknowledge that, but you can start today again with me, and, uh, and then you tuck that away and you pull this out. Because the truth is, is at day by day, there will be days that your day is going to go sideways. And if you have a little tool like this to kind of help you, recenter you, you will be winning the small little victories and it will make a difference. And I know it was making a difference. It's going to make a difference. And I pray that you utilize that. But today we're going to talk about something a little different. It, well, it's the same, same line of thinking, but, but uh, a little deeper. See, we can win the small little wars, but what happens when trouble just mounds and just builds 
and over and over, problems mounting on the rise. Have you ever been in a place where you've wanted to give up and it's a snowball effect where you have a, maybe a few little irritations but then it rolls over and you pick up another offense or you pick up another situation or another diagnosis or another uh, you know, court date or another issue here or there and all of a sudden you've got this massive problem and anxiety and fear and maybe even depression will set in. The struggle becomes overwhelming, and you come to your end, the wit's end, if you uh, could use that terminology. And I'm wondering how many of us have ever been in a place where you say, I've had enough, when you've had enough. And I'm curious, if you've ever been in a place like that, where your schoolwork just got overwhelming or your friend situation got out of control or you made some bad decisions and you just were at your wit's end. I'm wondering if we're in good company. In fact, let's do something together. If you've ever had a phrase like this come to your mind, you said, I have had enough. I'm wondering if you're just bold enough to stand and acknowledge that you've been in a place like this. I've had enough. And maybe it's a car situation, or maybe it's a school situation, or maybe it's a relationship or a financial situation. Absolutely. And I'm wondering if you're sitting and you've never been at a place where you said, I've had it, I've had enough. Um, we'd like to talk with you after service and figure out what you've done. But for the rest of us that are standing, just turn around and look and just say to yourself, maybe nod yourself, uh, nod your head a little bit, nod yourself. Don't nod yourself. I don't know what that means. But nod yourself, nod, nod your head and just say, we're in good company. We're in good company and you can be seated. Because we're going to study a story today of a person that had that very thought where he was at the end of his rope. And it's Elijah's, Elijah's story. And he had enough. In 1 Kings chapter 19 is where our focus will be, but there's a lot of backstory to Elijah's story. And Elijah was a prophet of God, and he was confronting the evil King Ahab about his sin. And he prophesied that there was an impending drought coming, and because of that, King Ahab was infuriated. He was, he, was, uh, he was finished with Elijah, and he wanted Elijah dead. And so he threatened his life. And I was thinking about it. To be a pastor in this day and age, a lot of times it's almost you know, an honored thing. And most of you honor uh, honored pastors. But in that day, to be a prophet, uh, it was a dangerous business. It was serious business. And the king, Ahab, wanted to kill Elijah. I am glad that no one here wants to kill Pastor Bobby or Pastor Rachel or me, I don't think. But watch your water or your coffee there. You never know. <laughs> but anyway, Elijah, before uh, 1 Kings 19... He had some incredible victories. He had escaped death. He had confronted 850 false prophets and emerged victorious. I mean, his life was just, you know, you know, salt and peppered with all kinds of great victories. But after this big victory of defeating 850 uh, false prophets, do you think that ended his problems? No, it didn't. Because King Ahab had an even more evil wife 
And her name was, let's say it together, Jezebel. Some of you know that. And it was as if Je that Jezebel was said, well, if you want to get the job done right, leave it to a woman, right? <laughs> and uh, Elijah was running for his life, still in danger because of Jezebel, and she was one bad lady. And he was at the point where he was spent, and he felt like he had nothing left to give. And what happens, you can kind of read the story and infer this, that Elijah's mind started to run wild. In fact, I have it in my notes that his runaway thoughts spiraled out of control, and it led him to a place of depression. Most, most uh, commentators, most psychologists that read this believe that he was in a place of depression, so much so that he prayed that he would die. It was a bad spot for Elijah. In fact, you can read about it in 1 Kings 19, verse 4. It says, and then he went alone into the wilderness. And by the way, I, I was reading that this morning, just meditating on all the verses I was going to read, and I was thinking, wow, that was his first mistake, to be alone, right? When you are in trouble, you need people. We need people in our lives. But anyway, he was, went alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree, and he prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. And this is not rational thinking uh, from a human being, a prophet, or anyone uh, else. But his biggest fear, Jezebel, was mounting, and he's saying, you know what? I would rather be dead. And the way I see this, the way I read this, is that Elijah, in this moment, hit the wall. He had nothing left to give. He had spent all of his energy spiritually, physically, mentally, and he bonked. How many have ever heard of the phrase when in uh, athletics of bonking? Anyone ever heard of that? A few of you? Well, I, uh, you, a lot of you guys know I'm an athlete of sort. I used to be a better athlete, but, um, but I still like to do lots of fun things, and I like to be active. And I've only bonked one time in my life. You can read about it. What it is is you get to a place where your body says, all right, that's enough. And for me, it was back in 2012, I, after a Sunday morning service, and uh, mom and dad, uh, I don't know if you guys remember this, after a Sunday morning service, I got on my bike and I rode from Grand Haven all the way to Schoolcraft to Kalamazoo, Michigan, about 90 miles. And uh, so I got home, ate some, ate a little, uh, some eggs, and I was well hydrated. I took lots of supplements with me and some, uh, some goo, and so all, I had everything right, ready to go. And about 85 miles into this trip, or about, uh, actually about 75 miles, I was about 15 miles from your house, um, I literally, if I pedaled one more time and didn't take my feet, unclip them out of my pedals, I was going to fall over on the side of the road. And I got off my bike, and it was by God's grace, about 100 yards up, there was a gas station. And it wasn't a nice, you know, Westco or Speedway. It was just a small little gas station. And I went inside. I, I made my, I got myself there, 
propped my bike up, and I asked the guy if I could just sit in his little lobby that was about this big, and I sat on the floor because it had air conditioning, and, and I sat there for 15, 20 minutes, maybe 30 minutes, I don't remember, and the guy gave me a Snickers <laughs> and a Gatorade, didn't make me pay for it, and I sat there and recovered, but I was at the point where I could go no further. I had bonked, and it was like that for Elijah. He hit the wall and was done, and he's saying, Take my life. I've had enough, Lord. And I'm wondering, how many of you have been there? We already stood. We already acknowledged that there's times in all of our lives that we get there where you just can't handle even one more small thing, and it just sets you off. Maybe a teenager is out of control, or maybe you had a series of unplanned expenses, or the addiction creeps back in and gets the best of you again. Or you lose a job or you lose a big, a big account and, or maybe your schoolwork is mounting and it's exam week or finals or maybe you've had some issues with friends or maybe it's a medical situation where you've said, I've just had enough and the problems just keep on keeping on. And what happens is we get fixated on the problems. The presence of the problem becomes so overwhelming that we can't see beyond the current reality. And we lose our focus on the presence of God instead. We know that in the story, God was with Elijah. We can read about the success. Elijah was faithful. He was visibly, powerfully used. There was miraculous provision in his life. Yet when he faced the trouble of Jezebel and King Ahab and all of the things, he quickly forgot about God. And what happened in the story? Well, we can continue. He ends up in a desert place needing to be reminded, uh, reminded of who God is. And what happens? God revealed himself to Elijah. And I just believe that this morning, second service, that the same God that revealed himself to Elijah is going to reveal himself here this morning. He's here to meet you. And I just, we've been praying and asking that just like in Elijah's story, that God will meet us. Well, let's look at it. What happens? In 1 Kings 19, 11 and 12, uh, Elijah is needing a word from the Lord. He's needing God to reveal himself. And sure enough, he does. And he goes out and stands on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore the mountain and broke it into pieces, the rocks, before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind... It, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. And then it goes on to say in the next verses, if, if we can put it up here, I don't have it in my notes, so I need it. And then Elijah heard it, heard that whisper. It says that he wrapped his face, right, in his cloak, and he went out and he stood at the entrance of the cave 
And behold, there came a voice to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? And I love it. And then, and then as the story goes on, Elijah uh, hears God speak. And uh, yeah, let's go to the next one there. It says, he's very, it says, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, uh, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant. So he's saying that's a problem. Thrown down your altars. There's another problem. He, they've killed your prophets with the sword. Another prophet. And I, even I, uh, am, I am left. And, and I'm the only one left. I'm sorry. And they seek my life to take it. And again, he's saying problem upon problem. And then God, in that moment, uh, he speaks to Elijah and gives him three different things to do to anoint three different people, two kings and then one prophet. And God gives him the prophet Elisha in that season, which I think is pretty neat. But God was quiet in the whisper. I just see this story, if I can just imagine it, and if you can imagine it with me, that, that Elijah is saying out loud, loud and clear, I, just take my life. It's not even worth living, right? It says, I've had enough, Lord. And, 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 and he's almost screaming that out. And, and I don't know if you've ever screamed to the Lord or raised your voice at God. And by the way, he can take it, which I love that about our God. But if you've ever done that, but then it's interesting that the Lord doesn't yell back. Instead, he whispers. He whispers. And it reminds me of a passage that we've also been studying in Philippians Philippians 4, that in this moment where Paul was imprisoned, he's in, under house arrest, and it was in that circumstance that he says to think on these things, whatever is pure and lovely and knowledge, you know, of noble report, think on these things. But if you look just a few verses before that, we get a little clue of how Paul dealt with his mind. Look what it says. It says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. And then it says, the Lord is near. Right there. The Lord is near. Is The Lord is at hand in, in this verse. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, that's what we want in regards to our minds, right? will transcend all understanding, will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. So again, in Elijah's story, God was not in the wind or the earthquake or the fire. He was in the silence, in the whisper. In Paul's case, it says, rejoice always. How do you handle these things? Don't be anxious about everything. How can you do that? Because he declared the truth that the Lord was near. The Lord is near near. And because the Lord is near, that is why I believe God was seen in Elijah's case in the whisper. Even when you are overwhelmed, you're feeling anxious, you will hear the voice of God in a whisper because of the truth that God is close. God whispers so, he, so we will draw close to him. If you had two people standing side by side or face to face and one is yelling at each other, what's going to happen? You're going to step back, right? But if you whisper, you're going to lean in to hear what he has to say. 
And think about it. What did Elijah learn on the mountain that day? His thoughts were out of control. He learned a truth that I want to drive home today is that when you've had enough, God is enough. Elijah just needed the presence of God. He needed the Lord and the Lord's help. I already shared my story on the bike in 2012 when I bonked on my bike, but there's another story that's hard to tell, but I feel compelled to do it. And I know I've shared it publicly before, and so if you've heard it, just bear with me. But I also had a time a couple years ago where I bonked in my life, and I, there was a series of days after we moved into the, this building, uh, which was awesome journey, and what a blessing it was to be in a debt-free building and just with lots of future and just a lot of hope. And this is pre-COVID, so this is before COVID. Uh, we made it through our grand opening. We went through Easter, and the Lord was just with us. It was a really exciting time. And I started waking up in the mornings and not wanting to get out of bed. And, and it was not just one time. And, you know, if it's one time, you, you know, shake it off and say, that was bad pizza, or, you know, I shouldn't have eaten that extra scoop of ice cream or whatever. But, um, but it was like over and over. And I ended up one morning coming to church early, and I found myself in the lobby, sitting in the chair. If you go out here to the left, I was just sitting there, and I felt so hopeless. I called my wife, and she was already at work, and I said, Jessica, I'm not sure what's going on, but I don't, I don't feel like, I said, I, we might be done here, I, and I just started kind of, and she said, she said, you wait right there, I'm on my way. She left work, came, and prayed with me in the lobby. She prayed in the Spirit in an unknown tongue. It was it was incredible, for 15 minutes straight, and the Lord started working in my life. And it was that intervention by my wife and got me to some counseling, and the Lord started working. But what I needed in that moment was I needed the presence of God. And Jessica, her prayers for me, and she was here for service, it was powerful, and that prayer was the first line of defense because prayer touches the heart of God and changes the chemical makeup in our brains. And, and you say, well, how do you know that? Well, there are very smart people that study this. And one of those smart people, Dr. Carolyn Leaf, uh, in her book, Switch Your Brain, she says this, 12 minutes of daily focused prayer uh, over eight weeks of time, can change the brain to such an extent that it can measure, be measured on a brain scan. And that's exactly what started to happen. My mind was not in a good spot, but the prayer over time and over that next season, the Lord started to rework those things in my mind. And I came to a place where I just acknowledged when I've had enough, God is enough. That's all I needed and to talk with him, and to pray with him. And when we do that, we touch the heart of God. And it changes our brains. It heals us, renews our minds. There's a verse I've been hanging on to in this series for this moment, for the last several weeks. And I'm going to ask the worship team to come and kind of help us, and we're going to move into a time of response. But in this verse, it's Psalm 145. Verses 17, 18, and 19. 
And you might want to take a picture of this or you might want to, uh, you know, highlight this in your Bible. I've got it highlighted in my Bible. It's highlighted in my notes here. Um, you can make a note of it. It says this, the Lord is righteous in all his ways. He's always right. He's a good God. And he's kind in all of his workings. And then verse 18 is the verse that really I want to hone in on here. It says this, the Lord is near to all who call on him. To all who call on him in truth. He's near. Just like he was with Elijah. Just like he was with the Apostle Paul in house arrest. Just like he was with me and Jessica in the lobby. The Lord is near to all who call on him. It says he fills the desires of those who fear him. He also hears their cries and saves them. I want to leave that verse up there for a moment. And you can just let it, you know, you can read it, reread it while you're listening. The way I picture the story with Elijah is that he's saying, Lord, I've had enough, and just crying out to God and saying, take my life. I'd better off dead to join the ancestors who've gone before him. He's crying, as he's crying out to the Lord, I just see the Lord being kind, just like it says. He's kind in all of his works. And then I see the Lord just in a whisper. <laughs> Not in the big, you know, he's, he's wanting God to move mountains and crack things up and fires and earthquakes and but that's not the way God works. God speaks to him in a whisper. You say, why is that? Because that next verse, the Lord is near. He doesn't need to yell because he's right here. And he whispers so we will lean in. So we can hear. truth is, even if everything in our lives are taken away, God is still everything. He's enough. If we lose everything, we still have a God who is entirely righteous, according to Scripture. If everything goes sideways, everything goes wrong, the mountain of problems seems to increase the truth is, is that God and his presence is enough. One of our friends after first service, he came up to me and he said, God is enough, but he said, God is more than enough. And I said, I like that. Yes, he is. He's more than enough. And what I believe Paul experienced, what I believe Elijah experienced, what I believe I've experienced and maybe you've experienced and what some of us need to experience in this season is this, that you add your experience plus God's presence and it's enough. My experience plus God's presence is enough. And this morning, the presence of God is here. 
And you might be facing something today that is very, very difficult. And I know some of your stories, and, and my heart breaks for you. But can I just say, God is enough? He's here. You're not alone. He's enough. thinking of a couple of the stories that I, as I look at some of your faces and I know what you're dealing with. says that you use the foolishness of preaching to touch the hearts of man. And Lord, I want to get out of the way and let you do your work. God, we need you. We need you. We need you. We need your help, Lord, today. Especially for those that are in the thick of it. Lord, today we need you. And when the enemy comes in like a flood, Lord, we can rise up with a new standard. Your word is enough. Your presence is enough. And Jesus, I pray that we would just find ourselves here in a place of receiving to listening we'd lean in, and Lord, that you would touch us this morning. And Lord, for those that are here that have not found themselves in your presence, maybe they've been trying to do things on their own, in their own strength. Lord, we confess and we ask, Lord, that you would forgive us, and Lord, that you would just, you would help us to turn towards you, help us to lean in to hear the still, small voice. Words of affirmation, words from Scripture. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. We're going to sing a song that Pastor Bobby and I, we were talking about. And as we sing it, uh, if you are in a spot where you need a touch from the Lord today, um, this song is for you. word on my heart and I just want to share it in obedience to the Lord. You ask me so many times, where are you God? Do you even hear the prayers that I'm praying? Do you see the anguish in my soul? And I would speak to you today that I've heard every prayer you pray. I hear every cry 
I see every tear. I know every thought you think. And I need you to know that I am your faithful God. That I am working in ways that you do not understand. That I love you more than you will ever comprehend. And I speak to you today that I am asking you to just trust me. Just trust me because I will come through in my time and in my way and I just need you to trust me. I'm the God that sustains you. I wake you up every morning and give you breath in your lungs. My love for you is more than you can comprehend and I just ask you today to trust me. speaking to our hearts today, the truth of your word, oh God, thank you, thank you Jesus. Our Lord is everything, he's all we need. that, because of that truth, we are not controlled by fear. We are not stuck. We are not a slave to our habits. We're not a prisoner to our addictions. We are not victims. We are not failing. We are not unlikable. We're not unworthy of love. We are not a product of our past. We are not what we did. We are not who someone says we are. We're not done. We are who God says we are. And he says about us that we are loved and we are forgiven. We're healed. We are new. We are redeemed. We're free. We are blessed. We are strong and mighty. We are chosen and empowered. And we are weapons of righteousness in this dark world. Amen? Amen. This morning, my heart is heavy but also encouraged by the truth of the word today. It is such a pleasure to pastor such a great church, to have such great people. And 
one of the things we get to do, Pastor Bobby, is we get to walk with these folks and as we get to know your stories and we get to hear where the struggles are, where the pain is, um, our heart is right there with you. And more than it being with us, it's with our Heavenly Father, like the word from the Lord came this morning. But we do this together. We do this together. I'm going to go back to that verse where Elijah is screaming to the Lord. That's the way I picture it. And literally, I didn't see it till this morning. Verse 4, it says, Then he went out alone into the wilderness and traveled all day by himself. I'm sure just wrestling with his thoughts and his mind. And what could have prevented that, maybe? I don't know. I'm not a psychologist. Pastor, or uh, uh, Brother Biller, you, you're in the... If, if you're with someone, it's going to be better, right? We need each other. We need each other. And I just want you to know we are here and we want to connect with you. We want to connect others with each other. We walk together. Walk in strength and in confidence. The Lord is good. Father, I pray that you would just seal these moments. Lord, we know that your presence doesn't get left here in this worship setting. Your presence goes with us. And the truth of that gives me hope that I can face tomorrow, that I can battle and win, wage war on the lies that the enemy would put in our hearts and our minds, my mind. Lord Lord Jesus, we give you our days, we give you everything for your glory, for your honor. And Lord, I pray that you would go with us, before us, behind us, and all around us. And Jesus, we say thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your presence, for being with us. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning, we're going to end, keep the lights a little low, and uh, some worship music. If you want to just continue to be in the presence of God, um, you certainly can do that. You may even move forward to the altar area, and uh, we'd love to minister to you. Um, Otherwise, go in the grace of God. We love you. Thank you. And next week is going to be a special week, and uh, we've got some things that are really fun And um, as we talk about outreach and talk about the future. So God bless you. We love you. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this week's message from the Gateway Church. If you'd like to find out more about our church, such as service times, giving, and ways to get connected, visit us at thegateway.church.